Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Check, check. Jesus, bro. Just getting my volume right, man. You don't have to yell. Check, check, check. Is mine super quiet now? Check, check. I don't know. Like Yours isn't. Yeah, yours is hella quiet. But it looks like it's fucking up. Turn your shit up, man. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we're uh, going to continue on this week with another FAQ, but we're going to switch it up to nutrition. Mm-hmm. Last week was uh, uh, training FAQ part one and part two. So this week we are going to do a nutrition FAQ. Uh, we did this years ago. Yeah, one. One year one ago. One year ago. Yeah. Different yeah. questions. We yeah. were going to redo the questions completely and just answer to see if my answers have changed. But as I started reading through them, more questions kind of popped up in my head. And a lot of them, my, my stance hasn't changed. And that's For sure. the beauty of like principle-based nutrition. Yep. And you have a hell of a lot more listeners now that probably haven't been yeah. able to go back and listen to that. We'll link those episodes in the show notes so you can go check out those too because they're really good episodes. And then if you guys want to read the FAQs and just like pick and choose what questions, we built out like a drop-down menu style. So you can just find your question, click it, drops down and gives you an answer super easily. And, uh, and those are all on tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash FAQ, which we will also Update. link in the show notes. Show, show notes. All right. So we are going to start off with the first question. And it says, uh, do hormonal issues negate the energy balance equation theory? Nothing negates the energy balance theory. But this is actually a really good question because I've had this a bunch of times in the last, honestly, probably last year, maybe two, just because hormones in general has just become such a hot topic yeah um and you know actually by the time this airs uh we will have already published the thyroid guide so good example of this lisa wrote like for over five thousand words um the it's the definitive guide to thyroid health and it literally covers everything What's five, uh, how many pages if someone said 5,000 words to me, sorry. I'm 13 pages. Okay, there we go. 13-page blog. It's a big, it's a big blog. It takes 25 to 30 minutes to read. But um, according to a time-to-read calculator online, <laughs> if you're a fast reader. <laughs> if you're a slow reader like me, it's like 47 minutes. Okay. But, um, okay, so it kind of goes over, like, what is the thyroid? Like, why do you need to pay attention to your thyroid? What are, is a thyroid dysfunction or disease? What do those look like? What are the symptoms of that? How is it connected to your metabolism? So on and so forth. But people got really sucked into this because the thyroid is a good example because the thyroid is like, it's in your throat and it's basically the, it's like the control center for your hormones. In yeah. your throat, huh? That's just where your thyroid yeah. gland is. Interesting. Odd enough. Um, but I mean, at the same time, if you didn't know where a heart was and I was like, heart's in your chest, you're like, in your chest? You know what I mean? Like. That's where all the blood comes from. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a weird thing. You can't really choose where it's placed. But I guess. Um, the thyroid is like, I want to say it's connected to every single cell in the human body. Yeah. Like it literally has an effect on everything. It has an effect on all the hormones. It has a big effect on metabolism. So when this, when more and more education came out around it, people got really sucked into it because that's a big deal. It's, it affects everything. So we got to pay attention to it, right? And then every time somebody's metabolism was slower or they um, weren't able to lose weight, they blamed not necessarily the thyroid, but hormones in general, okay. right? Like, oh, like I can't lose weight because my hormones are dysfunctional, which may be true but there's to an a extent. But there's a layer behind those hormones, which comes from the th- thyroid. Most of them, yes. Okay. Like the, basically the thyroid, like, the way I look at it is like uh, the thyroid is almost like the amp in a car stereo, right? Like you have your subs, you mm-hmm. have your speakers, you have your, your uh, what are they called, tweeters? Sure. The little tiny speakers you put on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have your deck with your CD player and all, or nowadays like your iPod connection um iphone i guess i don't even have ipods anymore <laughs> and, you're uh, right <laughs> and uh the amp i always think of when when i'm like oh a new cd came out and you're like a new album <laughs> like a new mixtape like whatever um an amp runs all that yeah. right without that amp those are going to sound pretty shitty the speakers will still work yeah but it's not going to sound very well yep 
Um, So the thyroid's kind of like that in my mind. And a lot of people get sucked into it because they think that it causes big issues, but nothing counteracts energy balance. Calories in versus calories out always applies. It's never going to be able to be changed. So what I try to tell people is if your hormones are dysfunctional, it's making the calorie balance equation more difficult for you. For sure. And what I mean by that is, is a, if your thyroid's dysfunctional, you have stress hormones going out of whack, you have testosterone's low, whatever it may be, you're not going to sleep as well. You're probably going to be irritable. You're going to have more cravings. Those things are going to make it harder to diet, period. You're not going to have as much energy in the gym. That's going to make it harder to get your result. But at the same time, if this downregulation of the thyroid or any hormone has a downregulation of the metabolism, now your calorie balance just drops lower. So your deficit isn't really a deficit. So okay. some people are like, oh, well, I calculated, you know, I'm at 1,700 calories. I'm sh- I should be in a deficit. But because of these hormonal issues, a deficit's really 1,400 for yep. them. So when they're spinning their wheels and they say they're not losing weight because of their hormones, it's more like, no, it just takes you more of a deficit to lose weight because of your hormones, right? So we, we can't say that calories in versus calories out doesn't apply to you because you have hormonal dysfunction. It means that it's going to be hard for you to diet because you have hormonal dysfunction. Harder because you have to go lower. Basically. Damn, yeah. Um, and that also means that maybe you shouldn't diet because yeah. – it's kind of like one of those, like, yeah, you can diet and you could probably still lose weight if you went really low, but I would probably want to bring you to maintenance, spend some time away from dieting and then come, those hormones. Yeah. And then coming back. Um, and I always try to say like creating function because fixing uh, implies that it's broken. There was this whole thing about like, oh, your metabolism is broken. And yeah. that's not true because what's broken can't always be fixed. Metabolisms can always be fixed, quote unquote. So I always try to say it's like, oh, you might have some dysfunction, but we can create more function mm. inside the hormones. Um, and the other funny thing about hormones is that, and this is why I brought up Lisa's, um, article because I, I help with the articles and I review the articles before they go out and all that stuff. So we're having a discussion about like, I mean, this article took her weeks to write because there's so much research out there that she had to go through. So we're having a discussion about it. And I said, in your journey of like looking through all this thyroid research, have you noticed that? Usually there's nothing crazy to fix it. It's just give yourself more recovery, sleep better, eat more food. And she's like, yeah, basically like everybody tries to have this like hack or the yeah. supplement or like this special trick that you can do with your training or your nutrition or this like perfect macro ratio. Cause some people are like, oh, you have to have more carbs in your diet because the, the carbs are going to help stimulate the thyroid. And yes, that's true. But there's some thyroid dysfunction that actually works better on a low carb, high fat diet. Yeah. So what is it really? It's but, eat enough food, get enough sleep, train properly. And won't car- I mean, theoretically, hypothetically, when eating more carbs help recovery, help sleep, help. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's why most of the time it does help. Yeah. Um, but there's also some people who have, uh, I mean, multiple things. So, if they have thyroid issues and PCOS, PCOS typically leads to some form of insulin resistance, which makes it hard for somebody to consume carbohydrates. So, in that case, we might not want to do that. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is calories. You know, yeah. like, so a good example of this, too, is somebody comes in, they have low testosterone. And they're like, well, I'm trying to go on a high fat diet because I know fats regulate your hormones. Yes, they do. But you're, if you're in a deficit, your calories are too low. Your hormones aren't going to be healthy. Like they're just not going to get to a good place. So you have to just get out of the deficit. Start eating more food in general. I don't care if it's carbs, protein, fat. It doesn't matter. Just eat more food. Um, and even fats do regulate hormones and help boost hormones. And if you're on a, on a low fat diet, you're probably going to have some hormonal issues. But at the end of the day, if you have uh, – like I've, had seen, I've seen people who have totally fine hormones eating really low amounts of fat, but they weren't in a deficit, and so they're fine. They're not mm-hmm. having any hormonal issues. But the second they went into a deficit, because of the low fat, they might have um, more dramatic hormonal issues because of the low fats and the deficit. But the deficit, the calories are going to be the main thing. Totally. Which is why typically if somebody comes to me and they're like, I want to – um, I had this conversation with a mentor client yesterday of like trying to troubleshoot a client's, uh, nutrition. And it was like a very balanced diet. And I'm like, you need to either go like as low fat as you can health in a healthy manner with high carbs, or you need to go really low carbs and high fat. You can't be in this middle ground because most people aren't metabolically flexible. You can chase metabolic flexibility, which is basically the idea that my body is going to select what fuel to use. Hmm. So if I'm doing something and it selects fat, it'll take fat and use it. Sometimes it'll take carbs. Most people aren't that metabolically flexible um, because you have to train your body to do that. So it's better if you want immediate results or you want to get somebody to the body composition change, give them one main nutrient, right? Like go high carb, low fat or low fat, high carb. And um, by, by low fat, I mean basically as low as you can get without having 
issues. So that's like usually like 0.3 grams per pound for the average individual. For some women, that might be 0.4. Um, but again, at the end of the day, like the calories in general are going to be the issue. And I think that like, you know, hormones can affect how that calorie balance works for you and how easy it is to accomplish that calorie deficit, but it's not going to take away the fact that you still need to be in a deficit for sure. No matter what. Hmm. All right. That was good. Um, going to the next one, it says who should be using mini cuts and how would that look? Mini, mini cuts. Mini cuts get used uh, improperly in most cases. Like a mini cut is supposed to be – like I would be a good candidate for a mini cut. If Why is that? Because I've been gaining weight mm-hmm. and let's say I get to a point within the next couple months where I'm like I still want to put on more muscle but I'm getting a little uncomfortable. Like I need to strip a little bit of fat and then I can get back to the gaining. That's what a mini cut's for. It's build muscle, build muscle, build muscle, pull back for – three to six weeks just to lean out, cut a little body fat, kind of reset, and then jump back into the gaining phase and go another, you know, six months. Um, It's just like short temporary times just to make sure your body is still in a good place and you're staying lean enough during the gaining. Mini cuts used by most general population is like, I want to get lean fast. Give me a mini cut. Three weeks as hard as I can. It's like, that's not going to work. Yeah. It's not a permanent fix. Then that's why you don't see bodybuilders doing mini cuts unless they're in their off season trying to gain weight. They put mini cuts in when they put too much fat on during a muscle growth phase. Um, and then when it comes to diet for stage or to be as lean as they can, they take six months to get there and they diet really slowly because that preserves muscle mass. It's easier to lose weight over the long haul, so on and so forth. But I think the people that are candidates for mini cuts are people who are very performance driven or, um, are on a journey to build more muscle and they just need to push pause on building muscle because they put on a little bit too much fat. Maybe they overshot their calories and I go, shit, I got to pull back, you know, cut a few pounds of fat and then I'll jump back into it. So I'm in a healthier place to continue gaining Yeah. or somebody in a performance sport. Like, um, I've used mini cuts on CrossFitters who are like, I need to just drop like three to five pounds because like I feel too heavy when I'm doing my gymnastic stuff. So if they're doing handstand walks and pull-ups and kipping pull-ups and muscle-ups, things that are just body weight that yeah. you don't want to be super heavy for, sometimes it helps to do a mini cut just so they feel a little bit lighter on the bar. And if we can maintain their strength while doing it, they're going to perform better in those gymnastics uh, movements. So if it's somebody who's like, my goal is fat loss, I want to do a mini cut, I'm going to say no. Like you either are in a good place to diet and we're going to do a full diet or you are going to go to maintenance because you're not ready to diet. You know, like mini cuts are strictly for that. I don't think mini – like you could do a mini cut. Like I did one with a girl not too long ago who was in a long – it was like a very small surplus. So we were kind of at maintenance, but she was just above maintenance because we were trying to build muscle. And we did a four-week mini cut because she was going on a vacation with her family and it was like a, like at a lake cabin or something. So she's going to be in her swimsuit a bunch. So I was like, yeah, we can do that. I mean, you're in a really healthy place. We've been doing this gaining for like eight months. Like, so fuck it. Let's put you in a big ass deficit. Try to crush some cardio. You know, you'll drop. I think she dropped like three or four pounds in that little like four week period. But she didn't get shredded, but she felt good in her bikini. That's all that she cared about. So she cut a few pounds, went and did that. And then we just brought her calories right back. Essentially the same thing you just said why you're a good candidate. I've been doing it eight months or so. Yep. Yep. Um, and I could see myself doing that. Honestly, I could see myself after this next month. Looking good in your bikini? Absolutely. <laughs> I look great in a bikini. Um, <laughs> I could see myself doing like a, you know, four to eight week cut and then jumping back into gaining. Um, but at the same time, like I'm more of the type that's like, I, I mean, I don't care. Like, let's just keep, let's just finish the bulk on yeah. and then I'll get to the cut, you know, and do, I'll do it. Do an actual yeah. full cut. Yeah. Um, is it's that a, what it's they call a, it a full cut? Um, just a cut. Cut. Like a cutting phase, fat <laughs> yeah. loss phase. Yeah. Um, and I'm but there's a, a difference between a cut and a mini cut. Yeah. Yeah. Just and I, and I think time duration. Yeah. Mini cuts are usually anywhere between three to eight weeks. Like eight weeks is like the longest. Once you go past eight weeks, you're not even doing a mini cut anymore. Yeah, it's there like, you go. it's not really. So that's why usually it's like three to six weeks. Okay. Um, and then a full fat loss phase is usually like 12 to 24 weeks. I mean, technically there's some people that prep for like 36 weeks, which is like eight months, but Part of that, too, is because they might take, you know, a ton of week-long diet breaks in that process, yeah. too, which for some people that's helpful, especially if you're a competitive bodybuilder and you've been on a gaining phase for two years and you're ready to compete, you'll take eight months to get there because you've been putting in so much work, you know. But for somebody like me, like, I want, like, three to four months of cutting and then I'm good. Like, I don't – because I don't need to get shredded. It's not for sport. You know what I mean? It's it's just for personal reasons. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, and I, I don't think I'm going to do it. I just, I'm not a fan of them. I'd rather just, you do don't think cut. you're doing mini cut. Yeah. The yeah. more I think about it, I just rather do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be near done today. I've been weighing in at 180 all week, which is the heaviest I've been since I was fat. <laughs> Literally. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. I've, I have not, I've never been this heavy. Um, which is cra- it's crazy. Since I was fat. Well, it's, it's cra- <laughs> That's I, just funny to say that. I, I got up to 210, I think, dude. In high school? Yeah. yeah. Like, like right after high school when yeah. I graduated, like that last little bit. And then I wow. dropped to like 155, which was more weight than I realized I lost. Yeah, because – 80 I, pounds or something? No, that's uh, Six, 65. 65 pounds, yeah. Which is crazy because I got on stage at 155. So wow. I think I went from what, 210 to like – 160 165 and then i actually bulked up to 175 over the course of like a year or two and then i cut to 155 for stage yeah which is just crazy i just remember you posting that uh, trap bar picture the other day dude. like a kid yeah i mean i was i was probably like 21 22 no it said 2014 put a rubber band around you six years ago yes 22 i know that's so tiny yeah it's crazy that makes that makes me super appreciative of all the hard ass work because I look at picture? it like, yeah, because yeah. even like, even before I like got to 180, when I was like 170 before this bulk, like I was still like you at my 10 leanest. pounds in nine, like eight or nine months. Yeah. <laughs> 11. I started at 169 technically. Wow. It's crazy. It's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. And I'm getting to that place where I'm uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Because Just because of all I mean, the calories you were eating? No, I love eating the food. I just, oh. I mean, you, I can feel like my a little bit of rolls when I sit, like nothing like like the average individual would be like dude come on yeah you're being ridiculous um but for somebody who like usually like i like maintaining a six-pack to an extent like not a shredded six-pack but i like to see my abs i don't have rolls when i sit yeah it's it's hard to like feel that every day and just be like oh it's just part of the journey and that's you know? what that that cut you're gonna do is what's gonna fix yeah. that yeah i that's that's like that's only place i put weight on yeah like Everywhere else stays Most super lean. Do. That's why, like, I mean, even in pictures, like, I almost look, like, why would you want to cut? Because, like, my arms and shoulders don't look like that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just personal. Yeah. It's yeah. the waist. I mean, this this is where guys hold their weight. Yeah. Right around the gut. Yeah. Do I remember your first transformation when you started training with me? Mm-hmm. You had you had straight beer gut. That was just all Budweiser. Yeah. That was a sick transformation picture, though. Yeah. Side by side, it was literally like in the picture. It looks like <laughs> like trying to figure what two or at. three inches. Yeah, that was in seventeen. Yeah, probably sixteen or seventeen. Yep, three or four years ago when we started. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, next question. It's like CJ was here the other day. This last thing I'll say, and uh, you were helping him. He's with getting this. huge, dude. Yeah, he's no, he's dude. He's lost like thirty pounds. Well, just like bulk. Like well, I think he's always strong. been. He's always been super big because yeah. I mean he's always worked out, played. He he probably would have went to high like a high level college football if he didn't get his head injury in yeah. high school like a really bad head injury yeah and uh, and so he stopped playing but um and he does like I mean his his job is he's not an iron worker but I mean it's labor yeah. like it's he's up in those towers in Seattle like yeah. doing like man shit yeah so he's always just been big but he's cut so much fat that you're starting to see actual muscle you know yeah. like it's nuts he's yeah. completely changing but. He was telling me about how you were helping him with his phone, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, I just like I thought he was talking about the workout." For he's like, oh, "I was having some issues, so Travis was helping me." And I was like, "Oh, he's like helping your form," and he like kind of laughed. He's like, "No, he's not my trainer. He's just helping my phone." I was like, well, "I used to train Trav." I was yeah. like, "He probably can help you because <laughs> sometimes he doesn't know this form." No. But yeah, his phone is fucked. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, uh, mini cuts. All right, speaking of Budweiser. Drinking alcohol while achieving <laughs> fat loss. Can it be done? Thought I would have done that on purpose. <laughs> Didn't. Um, Led right into it. It can be done. Um, there so go. there's some studies that show, actually, uh, Eric Trexler, I think, was the one that wrote it for Mass Research Review, just put out an article on uh, daily beer consumption and performance. So basically the, the participants drank beer every single day. And then they were like monitoring how their performance went. Um, I didn't read the full write up, but from the summary, I want to say that it actually had very little effect. Like Mm -hmm. it was actually like pretty positive result. Um, But we have to remember here that's like basically they had like one beer, maybe two beers or something. It was like very little amount, like drink a beer or two, see how you train the next day. You're going to be fine. Um, There's also studies that show having a beer or a glass of wine every day, not going to cause fat gain if it's fit into your calories. Yeah. Right. So, um, 
there are some studies that show less muscle growth when consuming alcohol because when we consume alcohol, there might be a negative impact on muscle protein synthesis, especially if it's, it's after your workout period when you're trying to recover and rebuild. Um, so we kind of have this thing where it's like, well, if you have a little bit in moderation, you can probably still lose fat just fine. You can probably still get stronger just fine, but you're probably not going to build as much muscle, which would tell me if you're dieting, you might not be able to maintain as much muscle either. Um, but it's not like life or death. However, we have seen uh, al- like studies on alcohol where it's like very negative impact on training performance, on fat loss, on all that. But they literally – I think one of them – it was either – I don't know why I have the number 12 or 17 in my head. But it was literally 12 or 17 shots of vodka. Like each participant had to take that much and then they were going to train the next day to see how their performance was and their performance was horrible. And it's like, okay, first of all, what kind of people were they putting in this study? Oh my God, dude. That's a lot of vodka. Yeah. Can you imagine that being in like a college laboratory and then like just after like two hours, you're just like <laughs> fucked up, just taking shots oh. of vodka? Oh my God. So I'm more worried. I mean, I don't mind being that amber, but the day after training. Mm-mm. Oh my God. And so like for me, that's why I like, and this is, this is my whole point with it. So there's studies that show really negative effects with a lot of alcohol. And there's ones that show barely any effect with very little amount of alcohol. So you have to kind of understand like what kind of drinker are you? When you say effect, you mean muscle growth. Yeah. Okay. Um, but even to an extent fat loss, but not because you can't lose fat if it's in your system. So if it's fit into your calories, you're probably still going to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, however, usually when we drink alcohol, stress hormones go up, inflammation can go up. Um, maybe we're blunting that, um, hormonal or, uh, muscle building response, which maybe could affect fat loss down the road. Adherence is gone out the window. Cause when you drink, you're like, fuck it. I'll just eat some snacks. Like, yeah. um, sleep might be bad because I've had clients where they fit alcohol into their macros all the time and it's fine. And I've, I've had a, a client specifically who was drinking uh, wine every single day. And I was like, Hey, let's, Let's pull that back to like two or three times a week. And now I think it's down to one or two and she's seeing progress from it. It fit in her calories, but then you have to ask, was it really fitting in your calories? It's hard to track alcohol. Were you yeah. snacking on something after you How drink? Did you track 12 shots. Um, yeah, I mean, my fitness pal has alcohol on it. You're just, <laughs> yeah. You're just having, <laughs> so, it, but the hard part is, is, um, and, and I'll get to how you, how you fit those in soon. But so, so my thing here is we have this huge gap, right? Barely any or a ton. Mm-hmm. Where do you fit? Because yeah. I know for me, I don't drink one beer. Yeah. I also don't drink 17 shots. Yeah. But I'm definitely, I can definitely run through a six pack of beer. Yeah. Maybe 10. Yeah. And if we're talking whiskeys, I can easily put down four or five whiskeys. Yeah. You know, that's more than just a little bit yep. where I think that's probably going to hinder my yep. performance. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to drink once a week because I can't just have one drink. I like to enjoy multiple drinks and I like to feel pretty buzzed. So I'm going to do that Saturday because I know I don't train Sunday, right? And that's where it's like I'm going to fit it into my calories kind of. I'm not really right now because I'm bulking. But um, I would suggest somebody do it one day where you don't train the next day. You fit in your calories. You're not going to gain excess weight if you do that. Um, And it's not going to negatively impact your recovery or your performance because you're doing it on a day that comes before a day that you don't train, before a rest day. Um, How you fit it into your calories is a little bit tricky at times because alcohol isn't a carb. It's not fat. It's not protein. It's ethanol. So it's actually like its own macronutrient. So carbs and protein have four calories per gram. Fat has nine. Ethanol has seven calories per gram. So if you do a, a shot on my fitness file, you'll see 110 calories for a one a shot, which I think is like 1.5 milliliters. And it says 110 calories and it says zero fat, zero carbs, zero protein. So you're like, wait, there's no macros, but there's calories. And it's because my fitness file doesn't have a setting for ethanol, yeah. which is what alcohol is. But because it's different than the normal equation, it's hard to factor that in. So what I tell people to do is like, hey, hit your protein on that day. Put the alcohol in before you put anything else in. Because then you know, okay, I'm consuming 500 calories from alcohol. That means I need to cut 500 calories in carbs and or fat. And if you do that, you'll be hitting your protein. You'll stay within your calorie budget. You'll have some drinks and you'll be fine. But um, I always tell people like in my experience, it works best if you keep alcohol. Like if somebody's serious about getting results, keep it to once a week. Um, twice on occasion. Like there's sometimes where like if, if we have something going on, it'll be twice for me and that's fine. But for the most part, try to keep it to once a week. It's going to be a lot easier to get for results. For sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm actually, it's not a big deal, but I'm just wondering why my fitness pals doesn't have that. Like why is it doesn't have You it? think like, they would by now. Boom. <laughs> yeah. You don't think people are using their app to track alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> well, and there is, I mean, there's a ton of alcohol in there. You just can't see ethanol as a, as a nutrient. Um, 
but but at the same time, nobody calculates their macros to fit in ethanol. Like they don't say like, hey, your macros are 200 yeah. protein, 200 carb, 50 fat, and 17 grams of ethanol a day. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, okay. So I can have two shots per day. Like, yeah. no, it's not like that. So I don't know. But yeah, you can do it. I mean, it's possible. I don't recommend it a ton. But All right. I actually think some people get better results if they let themselves drink once a week because it's like, just relax. Yeah. Like you're so tense and stressed all week. Like, yeah. Have a drink. Yep. Chill out. Right. What's your favorite drink besides uh, Budweiser? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Please don't destroy me in the comments. But yeah, I love Budweiser. Um, and but yeah, I, I hate Budweiser. I don't know why. I don't like Bud Light. I think I you're like fronting front here because you, you'll drink Budweiser. I I don't remember the last time I drank Budweiser. Probably here at the warehouse. No, I drank uh, 805. Oh, that's all that I got. I would say a Captain Morgan's and Coke. You didn't even have Budweiser here because you were drinking yeah. on what we had. Heineken or whatever that stupid shit was. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of Heineken either. Um, I'd say Captain Morgan's and Coke. Rum and Coke is a good one. Whiskey Captain Morgan's and Coke. Captain Morgan's is rum. Spice rum, yeah. yeah. It's only a spice rum we'll drink usually. Really? Yep. Mm. I'm a very particular kind yeah. of guy. A Corona? Corona's good. Very basic guy, but I love yeah. it. Yeah. Hate. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would go with a Hef for beer. Just generically? Yeah. Just I mean, the Wittemeyer's is good, and so is Pyramid. Yeah. Those are the two Wittemere. best. Whiffs. Whatever. That one. Yeah, that one. Been at brewery. Have you been there? Portland? Uh-uh. I've good. been to Pyramid up in Seattle, but yeah. um, for baseball Pyramid games. Pyramid is shut down now. Like permanently? Yep. Why? It went out of business? COVID, yeah. Damn. Yep. That's sad. Think about it. No baseball. Yeah. No business. Yeah. That I mean, sucks. They made all their money during baseball season. Yeah, and their lease is probably astronomical for being in that location. Yeah. Yeah. But don't they produce all their beer there? That's their factory, isn't it? They, have, they probably have a different factory, yeah, too. Maybe. Oh, I think they do. They have a main one in, like, Redmond or something. Huh. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, um, I would say Budweiser or Captain Morgan. I've been drinking a lot of uh, Pacifico and Dos Equis lately, too. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I just love. Have you had a Corona before? I have, and I'm not a big fan. What? I mean, Corona's cool, but Pacifico is way better we'll than We'll just Corona. stick with business relationship. Yeah, Corona's <laughs> way better. And then whiskey. I've been drinking a lot of whiskey lately. Yeah. I hate whiskey. Really? I despise it. Some whiskey I can do just on the rocks, and then some I like to put like just like a little bit of Diet Seven Up in it, just to give it like a little bit of like calm down. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes it's like, whew, yeah, I'm not manly enough for this yet. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. That's why I got into it. I was like, I need, I need to some be a man. I was like, I literally was like, Shannon, I think I need to get in some man shit. And she was like, What are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. Start building something, or <laughs> I was like, Built a business. I was like, Can I, can I buy a Harley? And she's like. Absolutely not. Oh, my God. I wanted to get one, and she was like, there's no fucking way. Like, no way. And I was like, a dirt bike. No. Quad? Shut up, Cody. <laughs> and then I finally talked to her in a quad, but I never got one. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to start drinking whiskey. There you go. That'll be a man thing. <laughs> quad or whiskey? <laughs> and maybe cigars. I need to get into oh cigars. That's a man thing to do. It's kind of counterintuitive with your... I mean, if you just smoke a cigar every once in a while, it's not yeah, it's like super unhealthy, but... It's like drinking once a week. I don't even know how to smoke a cigar, though, because there's like actually like a skill to it. You know, you don't just puff a cigar I understand. and yeah, inhale, you know. No, you don't inhale, but there's no skill. I mean, there's a there's a technique, I guess. There's a technique. Yeah, sure. But I hate cigars. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Um, you just answered this. How long does a typical fat loss phase last? 12 to 36 weeks is like the biggest range, but that's usually what I would say. If somebody comes to us and they got 80 to 100 pounds to lose. There's no, there's no definition for typical. Yeah. I mean, even there's – I mean, you could do a year-long fat loss phase. You know, if somebody comes to us and they have 100 pounds to lose, it's going to take a long time. And they have enough Does that, that just means be, being in a deficit for one year? Yeah. Okay. But it's cyclical, you know. Okay. So, like – um you're not in a deficit 24 seven, you know, you have refeeds or diet breaks or whatever. Um, maybe a two week maintenance phase, things like that. But I mean, I would take somebody through a year long diet for sure. If they have a hundred pounds to lose, especially because a lot of it is going to be like eating in a deficit for that person is going to be more healthy than eating at maintenance because they need to lose weight as they lose weight, even though. So like we have this thing where it's like, if you're in a deficit, there is some like stress going on, right? You're in a somewhat compromised or unhealthy place because you're in a deficit. But if you're also losing weight, 
you're kind of bringing up that health too because the more weight that person loses, the more body fat they lose, the healthier they get. Correct. So I don't have to worry about it so much. Yeah. Whereas if somebody's like, oh, I have 20 pounds to lose, no way. I'm not taking you through a year long death. So there's no need to. Yeah. 12, 16, maybe 24 Do, do you cor- uh, correspond or do you – is there like the amount of pounds you want to lose to how many weeks you should cut? Yeah, usually it's 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week is what I would do. So like if somebody comes in, they're like, I have 20 pounds to lose. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So they have 20 pounds to lose and they weigh 200 pounds. Yeah. That's going to be one to two pounds per week Mm -hmm. for the next, you know, however many weeks. So we go two times or or 20 divided by two is going to be 10 weeks. Right. But that's assuming we're going to lose two pounds every week. So if if I knew it would take 10 weeks to lose 20 pounds at two pounds per week, but we want to factor in social events, we want to factor in the weeks that you only lose a pound or maybe nothing. Um, we're probably going to add another six weeks to that, you know, so yep. a 10 week diet would actually go to 16 weeks just to be safe. Um, so yeah, it, it just really depends. I don't really see the reason to take anybody through, unless it's a mini cut. I don't see any reason to take somebody through a diet that's less than 12 weeks. It just doesn't make sense because 12 weeks is like the minimum amount of time. Sorry, you did say unless it's a mini cut. Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. okay. Um, because you know, with people that come to us, we're like, okay, well, I want to take you through phases. I want to take you through that priming phase, which yep. gives us time to build your body to a place where we can diet. That takes or fix anything two, you need three, to fix. four, five, six weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Let's get training right. Let's get stress right. Let's sleep right. Let's give you enough foods. So your metabolism's healthy before we even try to go into the deficit. But that takes time. You know, not a ton of time. Usually takes like, I always say three to six weeks is like the typical yeah. for a priming phase. Um, but I, I want to make sure it, it, factoring that in means that like 12 weeks is like cutting it close. Yeah. Cause you know, a third of that is a priming phase. Yeah. What do you, with more, I don't know how to say this advanced clients or people that have that priming phase pretty down already. Do you still take them through some kind of priming phase? Yes, but it's like a week. Okay. And, and with them, it's more like, that's, Hey, that's my question. Yeah. I want to like solidify that this is your maintenance. Yeah. And I want you to get used to our systems. Yeah, there you go. So use our tracking systems, use our accountability systems, work with your coach and communicate so we get to know each other. And I just want to see that this is your maintenance because maybe that they've been like kind of like fluctuating their diet constantly. So when they come to me, I'm like, hey, I don't want like some high days, some low days, some off days, some good days. I want like just a consistent one to two weeks of just you're eating at maintenance, you're, you're following the macros, you're hitting them every day. Let's build that consistency first. Um now, there are people that have come to me that it's there's no need to because mm-hmm. they are an advanced individual. Like if I went to somebody for a diet right now, they would go, oh, well, you've tracked every day. You're super consistent. You have all this data. Why would I take you through a phase to get consistent when you're already super consistent? That's, That's just saying, wasting yeah. your time and money. I guess. Um, so that does happen. But more often than not, people need to. For sure. Phase. Some kind. Yeah. 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 That's what I was wondering. But like I guess depending on the status of the client – go you approach it a different way yep all right so next question is going to be how would you implement a refeed or a diet break it depends Depends. um i think that i mean it it depends on how long you're dieting for how aggressive the diet is adherence um, why we're even taking a refeed or a diet break yeah um if i have somebody who is cutting but is really into training and hypertrophy and stuff like that, then I'm probably going to have like short, frequent refeeds. Like every day, every week we're taking a refeed. Yeah. Every day. You know, that, um, every week we're taking a refeed or two because for them it's, it's more about like, I just want to fuel you up with carbs so you feel good in your training again. Like I just want to give you a few more days of good training, a few more days of good training. Um, for some people they're like, I don't give a shit about that. I just want to lose weight. I'm going to take less frequent because I want you in a deficit for longer to actually lose weight. Um, for people who have serious adherence issues with the diet, I might do more frequent. So we might do five days in a really good deficit and then two days in refeed because that just helps them stay with it for several weeks, several months on end versus falling off after a month. Um, but how I would implement it, um, from a, like a technical standpoint is going to be keeping protein and fats the same. And I'm going to increase carbohydrates to maintenance via, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to increase calories to maintenance via carbohydrates. So the reason for that is because, you know, excess fat isn't going to fuel your performance very much. Um, it's not going to like supercharge your hormones because it's such a short period of time. Again, you're still in deficit for the majority of time. So it's like, what good can we get out of this, this diet break or refeed? We can 
have a psychological break from the diet by eating more food and we can replenish glycogen stores to hopefully lower stress and improve recovery and performance. That's not going to happen with fats. It's going to yeah. happen with carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no need to increase protein beyond that because it's not going to do it either. So just increasing carbs. Now, there are some times where it's purely psychological that we're taking a refeed or a diet break, and it's just for adherence purposes. For those individuals, I might say, hey, we're bringing your calories up to maintenance. Just eat your protein. Don't worry about carbs and fat. So if they're going out to eat and they feel like adding fat for that refeed because it's just socially what's easier for them at the restaurant – Go for it. Do yep. that. As long as you hit those calories, you're fine. Um, but for the more serious individual, I'm probably going to say, hey, let's let's try to get it from carbohydrates because most time that's that's going to be most beneficial. Definitely. But yeah. All right. There's it is about repeats. Um, all right. So it, uh, it says, can I build muscle at maintenance calories or in a deficit, or do I need to be in a surplus? Good question. Yeah. Like um, can you? Of course, there's always a scenario in a deficit, in a deficit. I built muscle in a deficit after my surgery because I had nothing trained in three yeah. months. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was just, it's really not even building muscle. It's but just what? rebuilding. Tissue. Sorry. Why were you in a d- deficit? Um, because I gained fat. I mean, oh. three months of not training and just eating whatever I wanted. Okay, really. okay, okay. <laughs> like I ate healthy cause I was trying to recover my knee, but I was, wasn't like trying to stay lean. So, you, so you'd gain weight because of lack of being mobile and stuff like that. So I was burning way less calories and I wasn't really in a diet during the recovery because if I was in a diet, my recovery would be slower. So I was eating at maintenance or above to make sure I recovered faster, but I wasn't doing anything to use those calories to build muscle. So So you're in a deficit to lose weight and you were training to build muscle and it, and I worked. Yeah, exactly. And I, but that is like, that's muscle memory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Muscle memory is the idea that, you know, I had that tissue, obviously I had that muscle tissue and now I'm just replenishing it. There you Um, go. I'm I'm rebuilding it. I'm putting water and carbohydrates back into it and it's growing. Um, so to an extent that's not really building muscle and deficit, it's like muscle memory. It's rebuilding tissue for sure. Um, or replenishing tissue while you're in a deficit. Now at maintenance, I think that can happen if you have other things that you could do better. So I've had people come to me that are like eating at, uh, I want to gain muscle at maintenance and they're doing CrossFit five days a week. And I go, perfect. We are going to completely change your training. You're going to do more of bodybuilding, like functional bodybuilding and more volume in certain areas than you're doing. And we're just going to stay at maintenance. They build muscle. They don't gain any fat because it's a different stimulus that they're not used to. Um, but for somebody who comes to me that has been doing the right stimulus for muscle growth, they're going to be a lot harder to build it's gonna be a lot harder to build muscle at maintenance because they're already doing everything else right for sure if they're eating right their calories are at maintenance they're they're getting enough protein they're training properly their nutrient timing is good their sleep is good like there's not much else i can do besides go hey you just need to eat more food yeah um or you could technically you know add more volume but sometimes people are like well that means i gotta spend more time in the gym so it's kind of like which one do you want eat a little more food or that and and for most people, it, it's it's way smarter to just go, okay, I found maintenance. I know where it's at. I'm going to go into a very small surplus. Like don't go crazy and eat twice as many calories. Just add 50 to 150 calories, like not much at all. Hmm. A little bit. So you're just riding just above maintenance and then Which just is, keep training your ass off. Yeah. You will gain adds muscle up growth. Yeah. And you might, after six months, put on a little bit of body fat. It's just part of the journey. You'll do a cut. It'll come off easier. The cut I'm going to do is going to be 10 times easier than it is to build muscle because building muscle just takes tons of work, takes a long time, and it's just slow. Like I could cut that 10 pounds way quicker than I it took me to gain 10 pounds. What? If you're doing it right. Yeah. What calories are you at right now? Over to like 23, you said? No, like 28. 28. Yeah. And hy- hypothetically, what do you think he'll take you at to in your cut? Oh, like to start losing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It put did, you in a deficit. Yeah. I mean, my assumption would probably be just below 2,500 oh, to start. Damn. So, okay. So I thought you were going like 1920. N- not yet. Oh. I mean, usually in a situation like this, it's like, hey, let's, I, I would assume. Like, we'll, you, your body would freak out. Yeah. And, and, and like the thing with that too is, is like, if we can get away with losing at 2,400, let's do that first. You know, so make that little cut. If we see some progress, ride it as long as we can and then make a bigger cut. Usually you don't have to make those big cuts till down the line if done properly because I've been out of a deficit for so long that I think my body will respond really well to the deficit when we come to it because it's going to be almost a year. It will be a year since the last time I was in a deficit. 
because before I did this gaining phase, I wasn't in a deficit. Oh, oh, gotcha, 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 for gotcha. months. So it was like November, September. Oh, fuck, I don't remember, but Does, yeah, 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 about a year. So okay, so yeah, no, because I did my photo shoot in September, and yeah. then I went to maintenance right after that. So right. it's literally been a year. Okay, next month. So by the time I cut, it'll be over a year that I was in a deficit, which means my body's probably going to respond really well. Yeah. So if say I would have tried cutting six months ago, I probably would have had to go closer to yeah. nineteen hundred. I'm not. Obviously, I'm not a coach, but I'm just wondering. So, if you if you if you see weight loss progress at 24, and you're like, okay, let's just ride this. What what's why not go and see what the progress is at 21? Because Obviously, unhealthy or but um, more like, so like say you're dropping. I, I don't know what real it, numbers, but you're dropping one pound per week at 24. Why not drop two pounds per week at 21? You're more likely to lose muscle. Ah. by dropping that fast. Ah. So you might be losing two pounds, but maybe a quarter of every pound ah. or a quarter of a pound every week is actually muscle tissue. Okay. So now that's why like, you want to go as slow as possible. There you go. For the most part, like for people like me, you want to go as slow as possible because I have the time yeah. and I want to maintain every fucking ounce of muscle I can. Yeah. So I would rather lose a half a pound or a pound a week, Dang. you know? Okay. Yeah. And, and just not, go uh, slow. And, and you're not about losing weight. You're about losing fat. Exactly. It's different there we go um you will lose weight in that process but i'm much less Thankful. worried about the scale and i'm much more worried about like what do i see Physique. in the mirror yeah Touché. so um for me that's yeah i would rather go slow and okay. just try to maintain muscle that makes so sense. and if you think about it too like if you cut too aggressively your performance does go to shit if your performance goes to shit in the gym it's that much harder to maintain strength and muscle too so not only are you maintaining less muscle because you're cutting faster but you're also training with less volume and less load because you have less calories yeah, Bingo. you don't have the energy. So slower is probably better. Uh, like the time I use fast, aggressive approaches is when somebody really doesn't care too much about that or they have a lot of weight to lose. Gotcha. So. All right. <laughs> that's why I do what I do and you <laughs> do what you do. Um, well, that's like when I'm like standing over, I'm like, hey, you should, you, if you can edit this <laughs> and do this and you're like, yeah, dude, I, I know how to do it. Uh, Okay, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, we, this is our last question for the, today. Uh, it's a good one. It says, what is the nutritional hierarchy, and does it apply to everyone in the exact order it's in? So the nutrition hierarchy is like the nutrition pyramid was, uh, I don't know if founded is the right word, but created, created by Eric Helms and later written by him, Andrea Valdez and Andy Morgan. So shout out to him. Great books. Um, and it essentially goes – Underneath the pyramid is adherence and behavior. So if you don't have the lifestyle behaviors and the adherence to follow the right nutrition, then this doesn't even fucking matter. Then you go into the first step, which is calories. That's at the bottom of the pyramid. So energy balance, because that kind of is the biggest, most important factor. Is, it, is that uh, where you say fatigue management, like uh, energy balance? Energy balance is calories in versus calories out. Oh, so just okay. calories. Okay. And then above that is macros. Above that is micros, and then above that is meal timing uh, and nutrient timing, and then above that is supplements. So it's basically this pyramid of like the most important thing is adherence, and then the most important thing at the bottom of the pyramid is calories, mm -hmm. then it's macros, then micros, and each one is a little bit less important. Now, I agree with the pyramid because at the end of the day, somebody can eat, uh, and they've done this in studies, McDonald's or Twinkies every single day, but if their calories are in check and they're losing body fat, their health markers improve despite eating shitty food every day. Um, so I do agree with it because it's backed by studies. It's backed by research. Um, I think this doesn't apply in this order for everybody depending on where they're at in their journey. So you know, if I have somebody who needs to cut calories because they got to lose weight, but they've never dieted, they don't train, and they just eat fast food every day, I'm actually going to focus on micros, which is micronutrients, high micronutrient-dense foods with lots of vitamins and minerals, yeah. before I focus on calories or macros because tracking calories and macros, one, can be confusing to them, and two, encourages them to still eat McDonald's but fit it in. We know that's not a healthy thing to do. Yeah. So I would rather be like, hey, we're going to focus on micros. Let's focus on whole foods. Let's focus on meat, fish, good dairy, produce, all those things. Naturally, your calories are going to be lower every day because you're eating so well that you're not eating fast food. You're not eating high calorie foods. So you're going to lose weight anyway. Yep. So the calories still matter because you're going into a deficit and that's what's causing the weight loss, but we're doing it through the avenue of micronutrients. Um, there's other people where, you know, they come to me and they're, you know, I got my macros calories dialed in. I'm, I'm at maintenance, which is where I want to be, but I'm just not performing how I want to perform or my digestion is shitty. 
Well, then the most important thing is meal timing. Let's tweak how you're eating and when you're eating so that we can boost performance, boost recovery, and help your digestion a little bit better. There you go. Which is going to be like, oh, if you're eating three large meals, let's eat four or five smaller meals. Let's eat at right before your workout and eat these macros before then. So um, nutrient timing comes into play for somebody who has got those other things locked in. So even though calories, macros, micros come before meal timing, you might jump to focusing on meal timing first because that's just where you're at in your journey. Um, and there's some people that if I tweak nutrient timing and meal timing, it actually helps them better adhere to their calories and macros, right? Because if I go, Hey, here's your calories and they don't know how to properly set up a diet, it's going to be difficult. But if I show them how to time their nutrients, show them how to set up their meals, which is way up at the top of the pyramid, you know, that's going to help their adherence. And I would even go as far to say some people who start taking supplements, even if the supplements aren't doing very much for them, they have better adherence to all the things that matter more because you're in a routine. Like you're taking supplements, you're in the mode, you're in the zone, like you got your thing and you just feel good. You know, it's like a, it's a placebo effect, but if that placebo effect helps you adhere to the things at the bottom, then it's a win. Yeah. So, uh, I got a lot of questions. Uh, I'm just listening. Um, can you always, uh, manipulate or change or whatever you, that, uh, modify meal timing to where, like, say they have bad digestion with eating three big meals a day, but say, okay. And I'm just throwing out stupid excuses and stuff, but I'm just saying like, what would they're like, dude, I don't want to eat five times a day. Mm. Like, is there other ways to say like, okay, well then maybe different times of the day. So maybe- you could say, yeah, you could not necessarily times, um, but food composition. Cause I mean, it, it comes out of this, like either a, like, okay, different physical you don't, food. You, so I go like this, you don't want to eat five times a day. Okay. That's valid. Okay. But you also hate the way you feel. So you can either <laughs> listen to me and feel better or you can yeah. s- keep feeling like shit and eat, you know what I mean? So for some people, if it's just an excuse, I'm like, Hey, like it's not always going to be easy. We got to change your habits. Okay. okay. Some people are like, I can't, like I'm working, I'm doing this. Okay. Like, I literally can't sit down and eat. It's like, okay, well let's, let's find a fast, fast meal, yeah. right? Like a, a protein shake with a handful of almonds and an apple. Can you eat that on the go? Yeah. Okay. Well that's technically a meal because your body gets carbs, gets fats, gets protein, gets calories. Your body doesn't go, did he eat that with a fork and knife at a table? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> all yeah. it knows is like these, this is nutrients coming yep, in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other side would be, okay, well let's stick with three big meals, but let's change the composition. Like what kind of foods are you eating? And if they're eating some foods in those meals that might be harder to digest or like maybe they're high FODMAP foods, let's switch to low FODMAP foods. Let's switch to foods that digest easier. Let's that's, that's food composition For sure. um, of the meal. So there's definitely strategies outside of mealtiming that help it. Yep. Um, but typically, you know, some people just eat like I've had people intermittent fasting who eat like two meals a day and they're just massive meals. Whoa. And they're like, oh, I'm just always bloated. And it's like, well, yeah, like on the couch afterwards. Yeah. Let's let's split those up a little bit. You yeah. know, eat, eat four or five times a day. In my opinion, four to five meals is the best. Like with and it's not because there's any science necessarily proved four over three. Most research shows it doesn't matter as long as calories are equated. But in my experience, people just adhere better. They feel better. They digest better. They have better energy. Like four or five meals a day just seems to be that sweet spot for real yeah. people. The other thing I was thinking is um, interesting. I don't want to say stupid or weird, but interesting to me is that like it seems ass backwards that the hierarchy is less important as it gets to the top. You know what I mean? Like like a scale or a pyramid, you'd think the most important thing is on top. Yeah. But it's smaller. Yeah. You know, so like – I think I, – I think a hierarchy that would make more sense. So for a pyramid, the way I look at it, nutritional, hierarchy. I know. And I agree with that, but I think with a pyramid, it does make sense the way it is because the tip of the pyramid is smaller. It's tinier. So yeah. it's less important, smaller, but Understood. also it can't be there if the base isn't there. So if the base crumble, it's like foundation for Ba-dum-bum-tsh. a house. Yeah. It's like for a foundation sure. for a house, right? Totally. Um, but I get what you're saying. Cause usually you think hierarchy, like top of the totem pole, that's the most important. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. yeah. But if you look at it too, what's funny is if you look at, uh, like marketing and, and nutritional marketing and advertising and things like that over the years, they promote it in reverse because you can't make money from people following calorie balance. You can't. It's just how much food are you eating, right? But I can make money off supplements and I can make money off a diet plan that provides a specific meal timing. So for the longest the time, hell? people were marketing supplements, they're marketing meal timing, they're marketing vitamins and minerals and paleo diets because there's more nutrients in it. But really the most important things cost zero dollars. Just track your fucking macros. My fitness pal's free. You don't need the premium. <laughs> like, it's funny. Touche. But wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's I wild. mean, you've obviously read and learned and known about that, but that's wild. You've to done think it. About. Yeah. I mean, shit. The supplements I bought back in the day, I'm like, 
First of all, what was even in that? Yeah. Was it legal? H, H, <laughs> HCG. HCG or HGH? That was that. No, HGH is a uh, human growth hormone. Oh. That's like a oh. steroid. <laughs> no. The, the I haven't taken that yet. Cut. Hydroxy cut. Yeah, yeah, that's just a that's just like a fat burner. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely took hydroxy cut. Did you see my story with the jacked form? Do you remember that pre-workout jacked and the E was a oh, three? Oh, the thing you felt or fell, you found? Uh, yeah, it was at uh, Emerald City Smoothie. Oh, I thought that was in your cabinet. No. I thought you just found it like in the back of your cabinet. Like, oh, from- no, dude. I haven't seen that shit since like high school. Oh, I remember man. They cha- I think they changed the formula because there was like some stuff that they actually banned from yeah. supplements now. Yeah. Um, like that aren't like pharmaceutical over the counter. And I mean, I was jacked. <laughs> I like out of my mind when I took that shit, especially at like a 18, 19 year old starting to work out, taking jacked formula. You're just like bugging out. Yeah. And then they banned the formula. You're like, okay, well something I was taking is not <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was not okay. Yeah. So funny. Okay. Um, anyway guys, uh, that's part one for nutritional, uh, FAQ. Um, we will have part two on Friday. So, yeah. Anything else? That's it. Talk to you then. All right. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.